honestly, our, our naivete was actually one of the reasons we were able to succeed. We had no idea what we were getting into, but we really like just figured it out. Like every single roadblock, we just continued to figure out. What is good futurists? You're listening to Our Future, the business podcast for young people. I'm your host, Michael Zakan. And when COVID-19 hit, I committed myself to a mission for my childhood bedroom. Make the business world more exciting, accessible, and digestible to young people. So I started the podcast I wished had existed, where in short, high-energy interviews, I talked to the brightest minds in business from the perspective of a 20-year-old student, breaking down the best stories, industry insights, and advice for the leaders of tomorrow. I'm pretty hyped to introduce my next guest, but before I do that, I have one ask of you guys. And that's to help our future increase its ratings on Apple Podcasts. If you could just take 10 seconds, tap us out a quick review. I'd be super appreciative. Shout out to Joe Toussaint. He dropped me a review. Absolute pleasure to hear your feedback, Joe. And I hope to see you in Singapore sometime soon. My next guest is also named Joe, Joe Moore, CMO and co-founder of Extreme Experience, the nation's premier supercar driving company, which is in the business of making dreams come true. The company has helped over 200,000 people cross drive an exotic car off their bucket lists, getting behind the wheel of Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and Porsches. And the company is now over 50 employees, operates two driving fleets which rotate across this country. And it all started with a bunch of 20-something guys, including Joe, leasing Ferraris and inviting people to drive them on the racetrack. That was the business model, and it was immediately profitable. You might know I'm a car fanatic, so I really enjoyed this combo. Joe and I talked for a lot longer than this podcast recording came out to be, but he does share some incredible entrepreneurial wisdom I made sure to include, and he has an awesome story in business, so I hope you guys enjoy. The uh, the way I like to, to start off my interviews, Joe, is all these founders and executives that bring on the podcast. It's when you were 20 years old, when you were my age, did you see yourself working in the business of cars? Did you see yourself starting your own company one day? Was that even in your mind, do you think? Uh, actually, when I was in high school, I took an automotive tech class. I was always into cars. My dad took me to car shows as a kid. And my vision, like when I went to college, I went to my university. My vision was to go work on a motorsports team one day for like, you know, Ferrari or Porsche. And like, wasn't what I thought it was. I like to make stuff. I've always like put stuff together and take things apart and and that's eventually what you get to, but I don't like math. And so I ended up switching to a business degree and turns out Miami University had an awesome business school. But anyway, I went and did a couple of things after college that were pretty boring uh, client services type jobs. And uh, my best friend, uh, Adam Alalde, who's our CEO, and uh, he was my roommate in college from, really, we, we lived next door to each other freshman year in the dorms. We pledged to oh, yeah. fraternity, we're Sigma Pis. And, okay. Um, and so we lived together in the fraternity house and we're just best friends. And so when we graduated, he, he was doing sales up here in Chicago. I would come visit him. I was having a great time every time I came up here. And uh, one thing led to another. He got involved with a luxury car rental company. Uh, me being a car guy, he, you know, the first day he had a Lamborghini uh, in the rental fleet. It was, <laughs> Yo, Joe, and, come through. Come rip this guy, yeah. Ardo. Yeah. Exactly. No, he showed up in front of my, uh, my apartment building downtown Chicago he said, Hey, come out. I got a surprise for you. And I came down to a, uh, it was, a uh, what was the Grigio? I forget the name of the color. Is it one of that, that classic gray Lamborghini color? Yeah. Um, it was an LB. The one, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, LB 640. Oh, wow. And yeah, yes, that gray, that gray was used and it was the Murcielago in the dark night. Um, was that gray? Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, that color. So I, I was working at a marketing agency at that time. And he was like, hey, can you help, you know, I was doing social media marketing. So, hey, can you help me build a Facebook page for this rental company and just do some basic marketing stuff? And then they had the idea to uh, rent a racetrack and do driving experiences. And so when it came time to do that, I was like, you know, count me I'm in. I'll help however I can. Um, I'm in. That sounds, that sounds like the coolest job on this freaking planet. That was probably it was, what was, was in your so, mind. You know, yeah, I was like 20, you know, early 20s. And okay. um, Groupon was a brand new thing. This was this is predates Extreme Experience. 2009 was when we were doing these driving experiences for this rental company. Uh, it was really a customer acquisition play. They were like, hey, what could we do to get people in the door to just kind of taste one of these? Because yeah. a rental was, you know, and still to this day is very expensive to rent an exotic car. At the time, it was like it was like fifteen hundred to two grand a day to rent a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or yeah. Wow. So I'm thinking of Turo, like but yeah, Turo and stuff made the market. You know, yeah. people were getting a hold of cheap Ferraris, and now you can rent them for yeah, eight hundred bucks a day. But so um, at the time, though, the only place you could get this was at a rental company. So the idea was to acquire the customers with like a two hundred dollar test drive, one hundred fifty dollar test drive, and then uh, send them up to rental and. Uh, that we were working on like a membership platform and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. The thing was we, that when, as soon as that group went live, sold thousands of them and it was like, you know, Whoa, I think, I think that we'd really tapped into something, but I had never been on a racetrack. So with our first day that we were setting up at the racetrack to host the very first experience, one of the guys who uh, uh, worked at the track put me in the right seat of a Mercedes E63 and said, hey, this is how you drive a racetrack. There's a thing called a turning point, an apex, and a trackout point. You want to do this and do that and break in a straight line. And he explained it all to me. I was like, great, got it. Next thing you know, um, I was instructing people all weekend long and um, ended up instructing for like a year and a half as we were getting this thing off the ground. You were probably like, I'm, I'm going to, like, I have to do this, like, as a job. You were just like, this is so fun yeah. to watch people, just that smile on their face, like, just watching the emotions crash over, you know, their face as they, they drive this beast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that was the thing right out of the, right off the bat, um, that I think was the most attractive thing about now what we've built to be this huge company is literally that experience that people have when they're, you know, you, you watch them, especially when you're in the right seat, you see people get in their hands are shaking and they're just like, they're, uh, they're so excited to go to live their dream. And All right done with this rental car company. Let's go start. Like we kind of understand this business paradigm. Let's go do it ourselves. Yeah, pretty much. And actually it was a couple of our customers who were um, also entrepreneurs who really brought the idea up and were like, Hey, this is something that you guys could probably make do a, you know, you can make this bigger. You could find tracks all over the United States. And again, we didn't even know like what tracks were around or that there were as many tracks as there are in this country. And so Basically, Adam just got on Google, started looking up racetracks, called everyone. And they're underutilized. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, at, at the time too, actually, racetracks, it's funny, they're kind of on, a, on an upswing again. There's more performance cars, more people trying to find track time. Ten, Roughly, you know, eight to 10 years ago, uh, tracks were all kind of figuring out what they're going to do. Like, um, So a lot of places were actually eager to rent track time. So when a few 20 something year old guys call and say, Hey, can we come drive Ferraris? They were like, sure. So, uh, cause they needed that track rental revenue. So we, we leveraged that Hype. early on. Um, and, uh, it's been a, yeah. Yeah. So extreme experience. Uh, and you came up with 
you just wanted a, a name that reflected what this was. It's an extreme experience, man. Yeah. And I can't take credit for the name, but I, you know, Adam, um, they always saw it as being, they didn't want to create a, a brand name that was very limiting. So like we could evolve to other things if we wanted to, um, you know, we didn't want to call it the exotic driving racetrack experience or something because nowadays, even just now we offer muscle cars and sports cars, and it's not just about exotics. Um, and we're developing our portfolio into, uh, other, other avenues. So, um, so the name, yeah, it, it literally is an extreme experience. And, uh, and so when you do it, you know, you, you kind of understand it, but what was step one to get your business off the ground? Was it to, to start leasing Ferraris? Was it buying them outright? What used, what, what was the, how did you get started? Yeah, I think it'd be a lot harder to get away with it currently, but, um, people that were, that were, uh, that ran the local Lamborghini dealership here in Chicago at the time, uh, knew and trusted one of the guys who was one of the co-founders and, uh, really were coming up with creative ways to lease these cars to us, uh, for either a weekend or a month. So we would, you know, take the car, you know, we paid a premium to, to use those vehicles and, and use them as we did. Uh, of course we were responsible for, for anything that happened to them. Um, uh, we were responsible for putting fresh tires back on them and, and, you know, brake pads and anything like that, that got worn down. Um, and then of course, if anything was damaged, that was on us as well. So we took a huge risk on using these vehicles. Um, but, but yeah, was eventually, you know, after doing the great, here's the great, the great thing about uh, back in the day with Groupon, you could run a Groupon that was three months away, but at the time we, we could sell a Groupon, put it up on Groupon and sell 800 drives in one city. And it was like, that's all we had to do. And that's all you needed to do to market it. Yeah. There, there was no marketing. We, we basically were not marketing at the time. We did a lot of organic social, a lot of uh, organic, yeah. Word of mouth go, yo, like I just drove this car, like go do it as well. It's a decent price point. Was it profitable? Was it immediately profitable? Yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, our, our naivete, our, our, you know, was, um, was actually one of the reasons we were able to succeed. We'd had no idea what we're getting into. And, but we really like just figured it out. Like every single roadblock, we just continued to figure out like, how do we, you know, how do we maintain these cars efficiently? And honestly, our maintenance program now is I, it's not even in the same universe of, as what we were doing back at the time. Our first events we produced, um, I think I told the story actually on DinWiki, but um, we showed up with no tools, no spare tires, no I mean, our toolbox was like a small canvas tool bag with like a wrench, a hammer, a screwdriver. It was so unbelievably silly. Um, and to imagine now what we have, we've show up with a semi truck full of tools and uh, yeah. spare tires and, and a staff so, um, and a team. So it was really taking that pro if you uh, a great book, the lean startup, you know, the idea is, um, minimum viable product. You do the minimum amount you can yep. to deliver on your promise to your customer, but then you, you kind of continue to iterate and, and improve upon it. So we took all the customer feedback. We took all the feedback from the instructors that we were hiring, like anybody we encountered, like a track manager might've walked into the pit and said, Hey, have you guys thought about, you know, lining the cars up this way, or maybe you could use a tent here or, or customers said, Hey, uh, it's 110 degrees here. You don't have any tents. Some shade would be nice. So it was like, okay, let's buy the cheapest tent possible. And then, you know, one windstorm comes and blows the thing away and breaks. Then it's like, okay, we need to get better tents. We need to get better. It, yeah. it speaks to the progression, man. Yeah. You've got to use what's, you got to use the tools that you have at the time um, and not try to, 
I mean, at the time, did we imagine like, man, it'd be so cool one day to have a warehouse with lifts and compressed air and, you know, all this stuff and a team of people. And, um, of course you kind of have that idea, but you, you just got to keep dealing what you've got, you know, in front of you. And, and we, you know, hiring too, that's a common thing. That's very difficult, but we used at the time, my girlfriend, I'm, I'm now married to and have a daughter with, um, at, my girlfriend who at basically our, one of our first dates was, Hey, could you come help us at the racetrack? That might've helped showing up at a, in a Ferrari at her house, but, um, there you go. But you know, it, um, also Adam's, Adam's wife at the time, his girlfriend, um, our friends, our family, my brother, my dad, Adam's dad, uh, like my brother's friends showing up and were instructing with us. It was insane. So like we were just using the people we knew and we're using the excitement of the business to not necessarily compensate people at the time. It was like, Hey, you want to come drive some Ferraris for a weekend? So, I mean, we really were just like, like solving it one problem at a time. Um, in terms of like this business, let's, let's just like break down kind of the ways in which it's grown. So from the marketing angle, which is your bread and butter, like you said, Groupon was the way you started it. How do yep. you market now? How, how do you, how, what's been the big success in marketing channels for you guys? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah. It's been phew, quite an evolution. So we knew that very, very early on that, that just relying on Groupon was not a good uh, strategy. So um, we, we started very early on trying radio ads and stuff like that. The funny thing is with no analytics, we had no Google analytics set up so we could run a radio ad and had no idea if it was driving traffic. But we kept learning through it. The number one thing that really rock, took this business off like a rocket ship was when Facebook opened up their ads platform uh, back in like 2000, might have been like 2011. Yeah, um, year before they went public. Yeah, when was that? So as soon as they allowed me to actually log in, put a credit card down, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was so easy. Yeah, I mean, there was two things you could do at the time. You could run likes campaigns. And so people would like your page, right? Uh, you could target car enthusiasts to like my page. Then the thing was at, at the time when you published on Facebook, everyone who followed your page saw your stuff. So it was very cheap to get likes at the time. And then you would just organically publish and they would see it. Um, so there's that. Plus you could then actually run direct response ads and stuff. So very early on, it was like the first time I ran $400 on a credit card. And we made like $1,600 in ticket sales. It was like, whoa, um, let's do it again. Let's do it bigger. Let's do it bigger. Let's do it bigger. Nowadays, we're spending millions of dollars on advertising. across Crazy. Millions. And, yep. Millions, man. So yeah. face, Facebook, Instagram ads, they're an expensive addiction, but they seem to be paying off for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you immediately think like, what's the catch? Like, there's no way this company's really letting you drive a Lamborghini 150 miles an hour, but we are. So it's really the first step is to introduce our product to our customers and try to explain that to them. Like, this is real. This is what we do. Check out our website and you'll see that this is real. So that's kind of step one. Then you got to take them to step two, which is you want to do this and how we're going to convince you you want to do this. And, and it's literally just been learning like every single step of the way, you know, setting up an email uh, subscribers, just adding, uh, you know, exit intent pop-ups, building a list, creating a, tripwire offers and uh, things that you want people to you know, give you their email address for lead generation. Um, all of that has been learned from the beginning and really taking like a growth hacking mentality to our marketing yes. still to this day is what has allowed us to acquire customers at a, at a you know, profitable margin and, uh, and then deliver on the experience. So, so really paid acquisition is a big one. 
word of mouth, obviously huge. Yeah. And then you want to spend up, you want to invest in organic search and everything that takes a long time to build right. all, you know, all that organic, but. So um, let, let, let's look at the, the business, like the moving parts. Like, do you guys own these cars now? 100% and you guys, do yep. you guys own the trucks now? We currently have two separate fleets of vehicles and semis and teams. Yeah. So we're able to, yeah, just this past weekend, we had a team in Portland and a team at Pocono Raceway on two opposite sides of the country each facilitating over 1200 driving experiences. There's, there's about 50 employees total, uh, full-time. And then we hire probably a couple hundred contractors a year as well. Uh, the event team is its own animal. I could go, you know, I could introduce you to our VP of operations who could pick apart every single detail of our operations, which is insane. But, um, but yeah, so there's the people component. Um, and then you're asking about the cars. So yeah, we own a, about 50 vehicles, we like to say. So about 30, 30-ish supercars. I think we own about seriously 10. Yeah, wow. yeah, we own them all. Um, uh, the and actually Nuts. the Chevy SS ride-along cars that we have. Saw we that. Got, I think nine or ten of those right now. You could even start your own automotive journalism platform. You could start your own media yeah. brand for sure. Yeah. There's, I mean, I just see this going a lot of different ways, man. Netflix specials with celebrities. That'd be insane. Yeah. Yeah. Actually that's something. So we're, you know, another thing that we're working on for 2021 would be um, like destination experiences where we're going to bring either our cars, you know, and maybe you bring a famous race car driver to a track and we do a much more VIP level uh, day for people where you're getting not just an, not like a three or four lap experience, but like a day of learning with a famous race car driver, you know, VIP amenities, stuff like that. Um, that's an evolution of something that we're definitely there's demand for it. And we want to be able to, um, service that. Um, but you know, we're really thinking about like beyond just putting people around a, a racetrack, three laps, four laps at a time. Um, what can we, not only what can we do within that model, but then what can we do outside of that model and, yeah. and how do we grow this thing? Cause we've, you know, we've doubled, we've basically been doubling every three years as far as top line revenue goes. Um, and we're on pace to do it again. What is your career advice to someone who is just beginning their track into entrepreneurship or just business in general? I had some entrepreneurial ambitions in college and I ran like lawnmower services and stuff like that. Like, um, but when I went and started working at a desk every single day for a company that I genuinely didn't about, what am I doing? And so as soon as this opportunity, so I actually, I moved to Chicago to start a music studio. That was a whole nother, I got to go on a whole nother thing about that. So I, um, I was, I think that the key is that you, sometimes you got to do things to realize what you don't want to do. And so there's no like silver bullet to just like starting a company and now you're an entrepreneur and now you're, you know, now you're set. It's like, I think that some of the best businesses too, that people start come from when people go work inside a, a business for a period of time and go, wow, there's a problem to solve here. I could do this better. Or the company, you know, you'll see the company's too big to solve this small problem. But man, if I just solve a small problem, this could be something huge. Um, so I would say, you know, the best thing you could do is to, if you've, if you've got a business uh, model that you know you're, you could start and could gen start generating some revenue immediately for all things, you know, go do that. And a lot of times small businesses turn into large businesses like um, entrepreneurship or business ownership is not for everybody, even though it seems very glamorous. Um, and I think that 
there was definitely a wave where everybody wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I think maybe now that some folks are starting to realize that it's, it's more than just like, you know, jumping on Instagram and starting a business. It's, it's like continuously getting easier, but it's also getting harder. Like the old ways are getting harder, like building a massive Instagram audience. For example, a lot of people built businesses on top of that doesn't, you can't really do that anymore. Um, so you got to kind of always find the white space and feel out where, where is your competitive advantage going to be? How are you going to do it? Um, but, but you got to just try things out and you got to do it for more than a, a day or a week or a month or even six months, um, to understand, you know, what, what's, what's there, what's in the business. If, if you've got an idea, ladies and gentlemen, that was Joe Moore, CMO and co-founder of extreme experience, making dreams come true on the daily on the racetrack has serviced hundreds of thousands of people. It's pretty impressive stuff. It's a phenomenal business. Hope you guys are having a killer start to your week. And as always, stay frosty.